You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. I'm back. Welcome. Brian McCubbin. I'm back too. All right. Brad Wren. Hey, everyone. Hey, and John Kearney. Hey, our racers. John Curley is also back. And Can't even Justin get our own Pearson. names right. <laughs> What's up, my friends? And Greg Hectus. I'm somewhere here in the background. On the show today, we welcome a very special guest, longtime Coke Series driver, Michael Conti. We'll check out a detailed development update from Greg Hill, and we'll debate who is the iRacing's greatest of all time. That's right, Mike. And if you join us at iRacersLounge.com and select show notes, you'll be able to see all these great stories and products we'll be discussing on today's show. So log in, check it out, and we'll see you there at iRacersLounge.com. Team Conti Sim Performance, connecting oval sim racers with some of the best who have competed at the highest level of eNASCAR competition. From our wide variety of setup offerings to our coaching services that help racers reach their fullest potential, TCSP is data-driven, people-focused, and ready to help you fight to the top of the iRacing oval ladder. Check us out at www.teamconti.gg. for a second, the two to the inside of the 55, it's going to let the five get away here guys, Michael Conti comes up at a corner number four to the checkered flag, he wins his first NASCAR iRacing.com Series World Championship event. Three more turns, that's all it will take for Conti to walk away with the win number three and a boost going into the chase, one more turn, Conti's got it. Michael Conti comes up out of the final corner, and he will be the first winner of the NASCAR Pigani Free Series at a road course. He wins round 13 at Watkins Glen International. They're all struggling as they come off of turn number two, but it's the 2014 Series champion looking to get his second race win of 2023. Conti going to go to lead the last 69 laps. He's under power off of turn four, and Michael Conti wins. At Las Vegas in 2023 becomes his fifth multi-win season of his long and storied NASCAR career. Well, thanks to special guest Mike Conti for stopping by the show today. Uh, you've been on the show uh, long ago. I actually went back and looked uh, episodes 146 and 169. I think we're on number 410 now, but that was a few years ago, but uh, hey, welcome back, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you having me. All right. Well, we've been watching you all through uh, 2023 in the Coke series. Uh, you you announced uh, ahead, ahead of time, you know, a retirement tour, as they call it. Um, and it was so cool to see that you were, you know, competitive and able to win and be in the in the in the movement you know so to speak on that final year i mean what was your goals going in and did you did you uh, meet those goals 
Well, I think for anybody who's going out on a retirement tour, first of all, when, when you announce it at the beginning of the season, I think there's always a bit of added pressure to perform because whether it's a sim racer or a professional athlete in real life, the last thing you want to do, especially after having a pretty successful career, is to flounder around in your last season and not be competitive and and go out with a type of performance that wasn't consistent with what you did for most of the rest of your career. So number one goal is to be competitive, go out swinging, compete for championship, compete for race wins. And and we did that and we did more. This This was arguably one of my best years in the Coke series, definitely my best year competitively from start to finish, probably since my championship in 2014, so almost 10 years ago. Uh, just phenomenal preparation, phenomenal teamwork with the guys at Team Conti really led to super fast cars every week and uh, made my job a lot easier uh, to just make the most out of those cars and run up front. So from a competition standpoint, you know, mission definitely accomplished, but also with it being the final year, just really wanted to honor the things that I had done throughout my career, honor the paint schemes, relive the memories, look back on some really cool moments and just have fun. And there were definitely times in the season where things didn't go our way and it definitely got serious, which it does in any type of professional sport or esport. Uh, but for the most part, had a lot of fun, enjoyed the memories, enjoyed the moments, enjoyed the the dialogue on social media between myself and my supporters. And overall, I think it was really successful. And honestly, aside from a championship, I, I couldn't ask for much more in my last season. Yeah, I thought you you, you ran really good, um, you know, some wins there. And, you know, one thing I enjoyed, Mike, uh, was the videos that you put together of some old races like you you like picked certain races from previous cars, even previous generation NASCARs, and to kind of remind us, man, oh, this is how the racing used to be. But what were you trying to convey there? Because it certainly spoke to me. Well, I think there's a lot of people on iRacing and and really in in the NASCAR world on a bigger scale that long for the days of old, and that's just human nature. We always we always want what we can't have anymore. And we always look back on things with rose colored glasses back to the, the golden era or the heyday Oh, things are so much better back then. Um, and while I'm not saying that everything was better back then uh, from the days with which the videos were posted from, but there's just things that we don't have anymore. You know, 950 horsepower cars at super low downforce uh, that moved all over the place. You were using both pedals. You were driving the hell out of the car, trying to keep up with the car, trying to race the track versus the guys around you. Tons and tons and tons of separation with driving talent up and down the field and also with setup philosophy as well. The setups were just so much more open-ended back then with you know, coil binding was in its infancy in the front and the back. And then we got bump uh, bump stops and packers and different shocks, like just all of the different iterations of garages, all of the different cars. It's just, it's some, it's, it's things that the newer iRacing member may not have experienced. And I wanted to show them like, Hey, this is how it used to be. Again, not necessarily saying it's better than it is now because we've come a long way in many, in many regards versus, uh, you know, versus when those videos were posted from. But, uh, you know, it was just a different era. It was just a different type of racing. It was a different type of driver in the series. And, 
I, I enjoyed watching them back and, and I felt like as somebody who enjoys the history of the Coke series and iRacing in general, I wanted to share that with my audience. And uh, I, I honestly couldn't believe the type of reception those videos would get. You know, I posted a video of a, of a COT from 2011 on the original iRacing tire model going around Michigan. And back then you had you had to sling the thing sideways in the corners and sit on the right rear, basically to the point of smoking the tire to make speed. And I posted a 20 second clip on X and you know, something like 69,000 people uh, viewed that short video of just one car on a track all by itself. So there is definitely a hunger. There was a thirst for that kind of content. I feel like I, I satisfied that appetite and had a lot of fun in the process. Absolutely. I enjoyed watching uh, that older or different style of racing. Uh, it was what it was back then. Harder, in my opinion. Now, we've seen you on the service since the Coke series is over, and you're running like fun stuff. And and I see, you, you know, Gen 4, Gen 5, like Carter tomorrow, maybe even Gen 6 or the 87s. And I wanted to ask, what is your favorite out of all these cars on iRacing and the NASCAR realm? Yeah, I definitely have a soft spot for the Gen 4 when I recently mistakenly released it, or so they say, mistakenly released it, I was I was one of the more vocal people on social media about, please don't take this car away, keep this car, do not put it back under the cover and leave us with just the the Arca cars, they as they call it. Like, please give us this car. And I don't know if it's because of my social media push or maybe it was part of a bigger plan, but they ended up keeping the car. And the Gen Four is the car that. As a kid, I was brought up on. I started watching NASCAR in 2001, so that was early Gen 4 era. And then I really started to become more and more of a fan and really became more understanding of everything that went into the sport in the mid-2000s at the height of the Gen 4 era with the with the Twisted Sister bodies and all the innovation that happened back then. The Aero games, again, the setup methodology was, was evolving and, and different teams were good at different times. And yeah, I mean, I definitely had a soft spot for that. And when iRacing said, okay, here's the Gen 4 back, I couldn't say no to racing it. And although I haven't gotten to race it as much as, much as I would have liked, just due to 25 other things going on uh, in my life, both on the sim and outside the sim, uh, I can definitely see myself doing more of those races uh, in the future. They're just so much fun. Uh, the racing's fun. The cars are fun. The people that race them are fun to race with. So it's just a really good time overall. Yeah, I kind of figured you'd say Gen 4. <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk uh, current, current day and future. I mean, you, you got a, you've been having a busy day. I mean, you, you basically launched a new business, Team Conti Sim Performance. I love the name of that. Tell us what that means. So Team Conti Sim Performance is really an evolution of what Team Conti has built as a team, as a brand, as as a fixture back-end sort of shadow team in the Coke series over the last six years. Team Conti Sim Performance is taking the Team Conti brand and now finally putting it into the spotlight all by itself and allowing people on the service uh, to to leverage the experience, leverage the knowledge of the people at Team Conti uh, to, to improve their performance. Uh, as I said on social media today, you can get fast open setups from a number of different places. Um, you know, I 
currently uh, still work with a uh, with a provider of those setups at EPI, and I don't mind naming them. There's there's no bad blood there, and, and they're a fantastic place uh, to be a part of. It. It's a fantastic community. And it was it was a really fun two years working with those guys and getting to know a lot of people that myself and other Team Conti members wouldn't have come across uh, without that opportunity. But you know where 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 setup shops or performance providers or whatever you want to call them can separate themselves is the support, the resources, and the service that they provide after the setup is purchased because a setup is only as good as as the driver you can have a race winning coke setup but if you give it to a guy that doesn't know the first thing about driving certain cars certain track they're not going to do very well with it and then it's kind of a waste of their money it's a waste of their money and their time so you know, team team conti sim performance is taking existing team conti personnel with nick ottinger matt busa dustin hall adam benefield brandon hastings among others and we're, we're collectively working together to help share our knowledge, whether it be relating to driving, setup building, telemetry analysis. We're, we're kind of trying to hit all of the different skill sets that people are trying to improve on uh, and give people the opportunity to come to us. Uh, basically, you know, say, hey, I'm trying to get better. We've got a number of different products and services that we can offer that fit their needs. And and we hope to uh, be able to do that, build relationships with those folks, and see them grow and prosper into uh, hopefully you know, pro level or pro caliber drivers at some point in the future. Man, I really like the concept um, to have the one-on-one support if needed, or you know, group gatherings, or like you said, after the setup's delivered, what happens next? You know, to get the guy up to speed, and what's always happened in the in the Coke ladder going into Coke is the people in the road to pro, they really don't have a chance unless they align with one of those back end teams, as you, as you mentioned, uh, several of them there, right. including team Conti. And, and if they don't get in, you know, with one of those, they really don't even have a chance. So with you offering this, this kind of gives that lone guy, that guy who doesn't have a team, but might be fast, you know, and has, has a skill uh, the opportunity to, to get what he needs to, you know, get in there and, and take out, take it on without one of those back end teams. Right. Absolutely. And, and with the team Conti sim performance ambassador program, which is a group of about 35 drivers that we've selected to represent the brand. Many of those have aspirations to, um, compete in the road to pro ladder next year with qualifying series up into contender in the fall, and then hopefully into Coke in 25. And where we look to differentiate ourselves even more um, is hopefully still pending, not finalized, nor do I know which way this is going to go. But we're hoping to have a chartered team in the Coke series in 2024, so next year, um, and actually be a front end team as well. So that way, when some of our guys hopefully make it through contender in 24, you know, they will they will either potentially have a home with the Team Conti Esports Coke team, or then we can possibly still keep them in the Team Conti family, but maybe align them with an affiliate team such as a Junior Motorsports or a William Byron, uh, where we already have drivers under the Team Conti banner running um, in Coke, you know, as of as of this past year. So 
we are we are not only trying to help drivers improve their skill set you know, on a on a very you know grassroots basic level we're also trying to give these guys that are already pro caliber who may already be part of our ambassador program a direct path to cope where they can start with Team Conti Sim Performance, they can run with the same people through the qualifying series contender, and then finally when they get to Coke, if a seat is available at Team Conti Esports, again, uh, if we get that chart, you know, they would have a direct path into a team where they're already familiar with how we operate, they're already familiar with the people, that way when they start their rookie Coke season, they can hit the ground running and have less of a learning curve, and that would be a totally unique opportunity compared to anything else out there uh, at this point in time. All right, yeah, the Coke uh, front-end team, uh, that sounds really cool. If uh, You can make that happen for sure. I mean, you got some good press on the NASCAR press. Uh, Seth Eggert, he put out an article on kickingthetires.net about uh, what's happening. And uh, I don't know if there's other stuff out there, but, yeah, you're certainly getting some eyeballs. Yeah, I think, I think there is definitely some pent-up demand for Team Conti to expand and really start to cement its place in the community as as – as a fixture team we've got a lot of teams out there that are household names at this point i think of apex racing i remember when they were a small team coanda racing again i remember when it was just a couple people over there but those guys are all on the the roadside you know, the, the biggest oval team that you have that's kind of like you know it's a back-end team but they also kind of support the front-end stuff is altus esports but again, they do a little bit of everything. They're on the roadside and the oval side, and they kind of have some links with Coanda. We want to make Team Conti the premier oval sim racing place to be, whether it's for our customers, our ambassadors, our pro aspiring uh, folks who are trying to get there. You know, we want Team Conti to be synonymous with the place you want to be um, if you're trying to be as competitive as possible in, in whatever walk of oval racing that you so choose whether it's just a open nis or if you're trying to get to coke you know we want to be the place where somebody looks and says i want to be with team conti i want to utilize team conti sim performance services you know if, if the team conti esports thing happens you know one day i aspire to be part of that team in coke like we really just want to make this a, a place where people want to be and you know the first steps have been taken to do that by assembling a fantastic group of people on the ambassador side uh, you know, the influx of folks in our Discord today has been nothing short of incredible, and we're enjoying all of the new faces and names in there. Uh, and we just look to further continue that uh, to help grow the Team Conti community and and bring anybody and everybody in who uh, who wants to be a part of it. Well, thank you, and I certainly uh, appreciate you thinking of uh, the iRacers Lounge podcast to help spread the word and. We're going to continue to talk about um, uh, Team Conti Sim performance uh, throughout the off-season here uh, each and every week uh, and, and try to give the listeners an update of, hey, how do we get involved and, and what's going on? So uh, uh, stay tuned for that. Let's, t let's tell the listeners, how do you get involved? If, if we have listeners out there that want to uh, get involved in what's going on on some level, you know, where do they go? Sure. So you can you can find most of our information and uh, product lineup on teamconti.gg. Uh, we have several links on there as well to join our Discord channel, which is another great resource for uh, information regarding Team Conti, what it is, who we are, and what we offer. Uh, so website, Discord, you can follow us on X and Instagram at teamconti.gg. 
You can also find us on Facebook at Team Conti. And then you can also find me as well at Mike Conti 5 across all socials uh, to keep up with what I've got going on as well. And yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say is, wow, what a all-star lineup. I mean, you mentioned people like Dick Ottinger and Brandon Hastings. He's like a NASCAR guy. Like he works on actual setups on actual cars in, in, in real racing. And so he's actually uh, assisting as well. Yeah. So Brandon Hastings founded team Conti with me back in 2017 when it was just the two of us uh, competing in the Coke series. I was the driver. He was the crew chief and we have worked with each other ever since then. And he's been a pivotal part in, in helping team Conti grow internally. Um, You know, the organization and the, you know, the things that he brings over from the industry, NASCAR, where he works at uh, Tricon garage currently, on their uh, truck side, you know, the the information and the knowledge and the skill set he brings over has been pivotal in, in helping us grow. And uh, he's already going to be doing more of the same at Team Conti Sim Performance by offering uh, telemetry analysis coaching sessions, uh, setup philosophy coaching sessions. I believe he's going to be making some MoTeC resources available soon to the public uh, for free, by the way, as a way of saying, you know, thank you. you let's get more people involved in telemetry. He's, you know, he's really, he wants to see other people grow and develop themselves in a similar way that he's had the opportunity to grow and develop. Uh, and, and that's a mission that I think uh, runs through Team Conti at every level. So yeah, Hastings is with us. Again, Matt Busa, Nick Ottinger, you know, two staples uh, in the Coke series for a long time. And we have Jimmy Mullis on the Team Conti Coke side. Uh, he's he's uh, a newer member to Team Conti, but had a fantastic year. But Overall, like you said, a, a really, really strong lineup, um, just great group of people, just great character. And honestly, uh, you know, Mike, I, I wouldn't want to work with anybody else. Right. Well, Mike Conti, thanks for coming on the show. And uh, thanks for, you know, partnering up with us to uh, get the word out. And uh, yeah, we'll be talking about you over the off season. I, I wish you all the luck. I mean, there's excitement. I mean, guys on my team, I think one of them's already signed up with you, but uh, they were looking at your stuff and I think they're in the discord already. So I, yeah, there's a lot of excitement and we're looking forward to it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to our partnership with, uh, with iRacers lounge. I think you guys do a phenomenal job here of keeping the community abreast of all things iRacing. And I've been a listener for a long time. So uh, super cool to be a part of this uh, on the business side now and, and look forward to growing our relationship moving forward. All right. We'll, we'll catch you on the flip side. Take care. Thanks, Mike. It was great to hear from Mike again, especially to hear that he's a listener of the show. Uh, that's particularly exciting. Let's dive right into the topics and we'll open it up with the 2023 development update. Uh, it was narrated by Greg Hill and it basically is telling us about kind of the updates. Yeah, video format of the update we talked about in detail last week, but the video format's a really uh, easy way to digest. Uh, the information. So if you didn't take the time to read it or uh, hear our show last week, this is a great video to check out. Yeah, they're they're feeling good about rain, but just are not 100% ready to say it's going to happen in the update. 
But um, the screenshots and videos that they put on were really spectacular, I thought, anyway. I mean, it was cool. Let's see the puddling, which is something I, I don't know if you always see in in uh, racing games. Um on the track, the different puddle spots and, and how it affects, you know, the, the car as you're driving over it. Um, he explains a little bit about that stuff, um, how, how you can have spotters checking for weather as the races are going on. That's amazing. So really excited to see it. I think it's, it's awesome. I just don't know if it's going to affect us oval drivers all that much. The tire strategy alone in the road course racing uh, especially in the high-end races, I mean, uh, is going to be priceless. I mean, you, like you said, you have your spotter checking for weather. Uh, it starts to sprinkle. Do you come in this lap? Do you wait a lap? You know, those kind of decisions. It's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see what the update brings of how they're going to implement a weather system you know, checking wise, is there a radar, something that they're adding? Is there another black box that we're going to get for in the car for it? Or is it only something you can check when you're not in the car? You just kind of have to play it by ear as you're racing. Um, but uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting how they implement that whole dynamic as it goes. One possibility is, you know, how you can push a button basically now and have your spotter t or your, your crew chief tell you a damage report. They could have a button that simply says weather report, and he just says, it looks like we might have rain in 15 minutes. It, 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 and I, I probably would prefer as a driver to have something that simple. As a band director, we're unofficial weatherman. Um, but I don't want to be sitting reading a radar while I'm running Martinsville or Watkins Glen. Um, I was thinking about what if there was some abnormality to the dynamic weather system where maybe you got hurricane style rains and like literally flooded out the track like uh and made it where maybe in real life you would definitely you know red flag such a thing but in i racing uh maybe you can get away with running on a track with literally too much water on it and it'd be like a, a circus fun or do they have a thing where they actually throw the caution and run around for a little bit till it clears up or something? I don't know. It'd, it'd be interesting to see. But on the roadside, we don't have cautions. We have local cautions, but we don't have any time where we're running behind the pace car. Yeah, and um, they did say that they're trying. They're going to try to base most of the weather on on real time models. That doesn't mean I think that they're actually going to be looking at what the actual weather is and tying it to the current weather. But it's going to be based more on averages and models, right, of what you would normally see in the area. Now, the only thing that that is interest that that I wonder about is weekly series that's it's kind of cool if it can be based on that but what what about a open where you can run four or five races a day for the same amount of, for the same division is is one going to be dry and the next one going to be in the wet or is it all going to follow the same pattern you know because even the weather has changed in them one day it's hot one day it's cold so um i wonder if I wonder how I would like being stuck in the rain sometimes and not in the same points being applied that week. You're talking about this is, this is actually a good point, David, because you're talking about say that Mike, Mike races like four times a week and he gets all the different weathers and you get 
you know, you get one, one race a week and that's, you know, the, the one race on that week is, is rain, is a rain weather. And you, you, you kind of are uh, SOL on uh, points and stuff like from that. If you get a crappy finish because of that. Yeah, and if it's something like NIS, if you do throw in rain and then you try to make the exact same, everybody's going to know what it's going to do on Friday based on Wednesday. So that that's a counter argument the other way that that can is also also kind of puts you in a conundrum, I guess. That um, they probably thought of these things, and these are just things that come up as you brainstorm it. Um, and they'll probably discover things when they implement it, and they'd have to turn around and make adjustments as they go. It's not going to come out and be a hundred percent right off the bat. Uh, it's going to be one of those things you learn as as you go. It'll be interesting if they can kind of try and do what flight the flight simulator, uh, the newer one, just did with using local weather patterns for the time and stuff like that. But it, it, it'd be too hard for some of the stuff because some places. If it was, they were using weather patterns. They get, you know, if you're in Bristol, Tennessee, and the, you know, fall or winter time, it'd be very cold and might be something else. Uh, one of the, I was at the coldest Martinsville race in a long time a few years ago, and it was, it didn't snow, but it was pretty rough. And wasn't there a race that Kurt Busch won and did a snow angel at Bristol? Didn't it snow? Yeah, it was, well, this, there was one that snowed before the race. I don't know if it's I started snowing after too, but I would even like thinking like, what if they come to Canada and they run Canadian Motorsport Park in December? That's not possible. <laughs> Just not possible oh. at all. So I also wanted to talk about. He alluded to the oval update or the oval refresh which really I think he mentioned bringing back dynamic track or, or I don't know if we ever really had a dynamic track, um, but to make it effective. And so I think a lot of us oval drivers, you know, we don't know what to expect. I mean, uh, what is that going to be like? Are we really going to have to hunt grooves as one groove gets hot? This, this was my favorite part of the video. You know, I'm an oval guy. I I could care less about rain. I don't think it'll affect me on that side, but uh, it's going to make a more of a driver out of you. You got to find lanes through the race, you know, like they do on Sundays. And I, I hope it actually cleans the racing up some too, because some of what happens in the racing is so many tracks. There's only one groove, and so eventually you just somebody just will will just run over you if if they think they're faster, even if they're not really. Well, they said he referred to something as like. Um, measuring the energy in the track. So I'm assuming that's what he means by, you know, a groove forming. Yeah, there's, I mean, you've got energy coming from the cars, whether it's heat, um, you know, rubber being laid down and all that. So it should, again, this is what we supposedly had, you know, what, eight, eight years, six, seven, six, seven eight years ago. Um, but it would be good to be able to have to do a little hunting. I mean, right now, to me, it's just, it's very static. You can run the same groove almost the whole race, regardless. I mean, tires will, will change a little bit, but as soon as you're back on new ones, you go right back to where you were before. I think tracks that kind of, this kind of is a little too little too late is a track like California would really benefit from this. You know, it, there's a, you've got multiple grooves and different things you can run there. It would be really cool to, you know, be you know have that choice like I, th I think kansas might benefit from this because you know you run the top after a while i know this year some of that change you could run the bottom but it would be nice that you have the options even 
a track like Homestead, uh, maybe it becomes more dominant later in the race, high or low or something. I don't know. It, it just it seems like it's it's a needed update because most of these tracks are shortest shortest way around, and you know it's not even sometimes about the momentum unless you're can keep it up on the outside, but it, a lot of it's just short time around. Yeah. Well, and another thing that almost every track that I went to this year where people would run high, I would find that if I stayed low and only went high occasionally, if somebody was really holding me up, I, I used the tires up list. It seemed not, even on the tracks that were supposed to be high lane tracks, when you run high lane, it would just scrub the tires and, and heat them up so much more. And it's really not supposed to, they're supposed to be less slip angle when you're in the, on the high side than the low side but it seems like the the fact that you're in the corner for longer at a higher speed is running the tires hotter i don't know if that's how it's if that's how it's supposed to be realistic or not but my experience said if i stayed low even on the high lane tracks i did not wear my tires out as much well, I think in real life, as the rubber gets laid down, if you you know you notice like a take a, a homestead, as the rubber gets laid down, the groove will continue to move up. You can't go up there and run right off the get go, um, you know. So, ideally, I think that's what you should get if it's going to be dynamic and we're going to get rubber being laid down and getting the groove changed. You should be able to run that lane um, and even save tires. I mean, in reality you go to homestead you save tires by running high because you're not putting as much wheel input in uh in real life but that's not the case at the in on the online track i never ran high unless i was tr just trying to get around somebody who else who was running low oh yeah exactly i mean and i think that's part of when the tracks are made i mean let's let's like let's be realistic there has to be some sort of difference in between the, the asphalt textures you go from the apron all the way up um, i mean i can think back to the old 2003 days you know messing around with tracks you basically put a groove in there and that was a grip groove so that's my guess is it probably hasn't changed a whole lot since then um but again i think it's it, it's been it's needed it's necessary um i think the racing overall would be so much better well you know i got the impression too uh, from this video with these dynamic track changes that you'll benefit from making some in-car adjustments you know when you go in the pits to uh, to compensate for some of those changes and that's going to add a whole lot of strategy to it it's going to be exciting for sure yeah that's a good point john and i think the more strategy strategy that comes into play in the racing the more interesting it gets so i i kind of hope that that it's the way it goes but there were other things in this development update. They talked about uh, some new GT cars that are coming up um, and, and stuff like that. So uh, it was, it's a really good video to check out. Yeah, check that video out. Let's move on. Uh, cue the sad music. We have some IndyCar updates. And was it Brad? Were you watching this right before we got started? Yeah, I watched it today. Um, the guy kind of touches on a whole lot of stuff. But um you know, I, I, what I kind of got from it was, I think everybody's expecting to be, you know, for 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 I racing to pick up the IndyCar license again, and I, I don't think it's going to be that quick. It's it's kind of the gist I got from the video. Um, you know, I, I think we all understand there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background when it comes to this stuff. Um, you know, there were some tweets, uh, Adam Stern and then Steve Myers. You know, I think Steve said that you know right now, I don't think there's any chance of them picking anything up from a console standpoint i think they're pretty overloaded um but you know watching the video um 
you know, I guess, and again, some of this may have happened while I was not on the service, but there seems to be perhaps some, maybe some bad blood between iRacing and IndyCar um, that happened at some point. Um, but again, I think some of this is when you, when you have uh, sanctioning bodies that are willing to, to do exclusive, um, you know, licenses, that's, that's an issue, I think. And I think that's, that's really what you're seeing play out right now. So well, certainly iRacing has from... to be a little bit, sorry, certainly iRacing has to be a little bit bitter with IndyCar and I'm sure, and I, and I know almost every iRacing fan that likes IndyCar is, I, I refuse to watch the 500 this year. So I was going to say this video from i5G uh, racing, he, you know, he talks about everything we've already known, but he did bring up a, a tidbit that I don't think we've covered um, from Marshall Pruitt that he did on racer.com in a Q&A article. And the quote is this, I've been told by quite a few folks that at least one decision maker in Penske Entertainment's leadership team has deep ties to the company in question, which, if true, would explain how they got themselves into this map. Quote. Follow the money. And then here's another quote from Steve Myers. You mentioned Brad. Steve said, we would love our uh, previous IndyCar simulator rights back for our iRacing product, but I'm guessing they still have much to consider. As far as potentially building a dedicated IndyCar game for consoles, if we could acquire the license, that is also a big decision. We currently only have the capacity and resources to do so much simultaneously. Maybe we need to get some kind of petition drive to just, just really spam the mess out of Penske Entertainment to say, hey, let iRacing back in. And then finally, uh, last tidbit was from Justin Petschauer, um, who he put up a news on the Twitter. Motorsports Games was sent a notification of being on the brink of being delisted from the DAC stock exchange. Yeah, that probably sucks for that decision maker in Penske Entertainment, doesn't it? It makes me think it's Mark Miles, the the president guy, because he's the one who always talked up the motorsports game relationship more than anybody. Um, but who knows who it actually is? All right. Well, we have the November iRacing top 10. Brian, tell us a little bit about it. Uh, let's see. So we had some good, interesting stuff. Uh, started off with a, a really good GT um, race. Um a couple of uh, interesting uh, oval races that were uh, there were some f incredibly close finishes. Um, a couple, uh, one where a guy went from 14th to first on the last lap of a of a race. You've seen that kind of stuff before, where you just you just guy just makes all the right moves to get by all the traffic. It was it was excellent. Um, uh, number one on the list was a um, I think it was the IRO one the uh, jet car racing uh at indianapolis and on the oval track and you know these cars were originally rolled out as uh road racing cars but these things were amazing to watch at indy it was incredible i, I was watching this thing and thinking i need to jump back in this car again it looked amazing brian it was like they it was a fight to who could be third going into turn four because whoever was third in line coming to the checker in that last corner was going to win it because the way the draft works and you could see at the lap before that, the, you know, the guy in third was practicing, he would end up in the lead by the time they got to the stripe. And so sure enough, uh, when they came off the corner, the guy in third won it. 
Yeah, and he was in third place all the way up to the entrance of, of uh, Pit Road on the last straightaway. So he made up those two spots just in that one stretch. And uh, it was really fun to watch. Um, and those cars are just really cool. That really makes for some some messed up strategy because you cannot block in these cars. Uh, you, you, you will suffer. You, you won't survive. Bye. <laughs> the one yeah, I like I is a super. Oh, go ahead, Brian. No, I was just going to say one last thing. When I was watching these things go around there, they look like slot car truck cars going around that track. They're so they're so tight to the track and so fast around the corners. It was, it was really neat. Stuck. Yeah. I think the one that gets me is the Super Formula um, at Suzuka. Um, the, it's almost the same kind of thing. They have this massive draft package where you know, the guy in front's a sitting duck, you know? And so, and there's like two, there's like three of them in this and they're dicing it up. And, and then Suzuka has got that, that very famous, very fast black corner where you don't lift. And, uh, they're, they're just flying around there. It's cool. Because one of the highlights was at Willow Springs, I believe. And, uh, I haven't gotten that track yet, but that looks like a lot of fun too. And it's, you know, with all the desert scenery around it, it's pretty cool looking too. You're right. I mean, that highlighted to me, that looks like a pretty cool track with those, those mountains and kind of hills in the background as you're going around. Uh, you're yeah. right. It, it makes, makes you think about maybe I should buy it. <laughs> yeah. It looks like you're driving through like a death Valley or something. Cause it's just nothing but desert around it, but it's, it's really well detailed though. And, and it's just the road in the middle of nowhere. It almost looks like in, in a lot of places. All right, the next item that comes up, uh, I'll pass it to somebody first, but I want to take a guess since I have not watched the video yet. It's a video from T DJ EJ and explains why road racers have higher I ratings than oval racers. And um, pretty much my theory is that generally in the roadway race, you finish where you're going to finish based on speed because you don't have the randomness of the costumes, especially if you get, as you get up into the higher divisions. You don't have all of the randomnesses of pit strategy and costumes factoring in. So, Justin, did you give a ride? Is, is that what DJ said? Or did you give it a watch? I, I'm partway through it, but he goes on about how, um, or how road racers has 10 times more people over 9K um, skill rating. And from what I got out of it, there's more splits where you can segregate, you know, your um, IR rating from what I got out of it so far. Yeah, and what David mentioned as well, that in Oval, there's a more of a luck factor or, you know, missing the wrecks and not being wrecked and that kind of thing. When in Road, it's, it's more of, you know, down to your skill level more than anything. Yeah, and, and when you factor in... That's exactly what I was going to say. When you factor in cautions, that's another another random type of thing that can really mess up your your placement. Sorry, but yeah. you exactly what I was going to say. I'm sure. Sorry. Quite, a, quite a few races came down to coin tosses. All right, should I take tires this caution or wait for the next caution? And that choice comes down to if there was a caution or not, which so it ends up kind of being a coin flip. Yeah, like. David was mentioning there, like if you're running a top five speed, you're more than likely probably if you have no, nothing goes wrong in a road race with no cautions and, and a pit stop, 
you're going to finish the top five if that's the speed. There's there's just no just you can't you can't make up somehow because of um, even with there's not even that much tire strategy on the roadside. It would be more fuel strategy, and if you could save a little bit so you don't have to f- get fueled up as long. But even that is nowadays is not as big of a gap as it used to be. So it's you got nine k because there's a lot more people, and I think the roadside has got way more people as well that just participate all the time the the european time was times it's just ridiculous how many splits there are even in the multi-class the imsa is huge during like in a daytona week that's not coming up to the to the 24 there will be on a reg on a regular just middle of the day a open essentially is which is what it is now um it will there will be 300 400 registered all right whereas a a open oval is one or two splits 60 kids 60 people maybe i remember when it used to be 10 people if you could get 10 people on an a open every night it would consistently it was better at least we have splits on the oval side it's just the road side is is so much about being consistent and just having a pace and that's it there is no I don't want to say there is no strategy to it, but like if you practice and you can stay on the track and do your thing, it's it's a no brainer for for going up an I rating. It's just the problem is you got to make it through turn one on the first lap, and you're pretty much good unless you get wrecked by if you're in multi class trying to get around slower cars or whatever. Being the slower car sometimes it's more difficult. It just it, it, it's just more advantageous to be on the roadside to get. A higher rating now it's not always about i rating i mean that's a, a good indicator but it's not everything look at our guest tonight uh mr michael conti um arguably one of the greatest oval sim racers there is um his i rating I, I looked i think it was like 7600 that's well below a lot of people in the coke series who are in the nine to ten thousand range but guess what he can hold his own out there now does he use his main he may use his main account to race and everything so he'll go up and down no matter what right like maybe he just uses it and races other races and 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 it could be a deterrent sometimes to get for it to go up and down because he's using it maybe more than the other guys in the coke series too that's a good point i don't think he has a smurf yeah once you've established yourself in the series uh even if you're going back down to contender to work your way back up the the i rating doesn't matter anymore but with those these guys that are racing road to pro to get back in they need as high of an i rating as they can to get the most points to make the contender series or to make even the round two of road to pro okay all right Mike, who is the goat the goat we just talked about the goat and ovals but let's see who is the overall goat DJ EJ again this time, and he, he says uh, Alex Bergeron. Um, he throws out some stats. These are so impressive. Okay, World Championship Series going from 2018 runner-up, 2019 champion, 2020 champion, 2021 champion, three times in a row, and then 2022 and 2023 runner-up, runner-up. So he's the best. So he's the greatest on dirt. That isn't the greatest of all time. That doesn't. That doesn't really answer the question. 
Well, that, yeah. That, yeah, I think he's the only person that actually holds a pro license in all four classes. Yeah, that's yeah, I think that was his biggest thing. Yeah. What what road oval does he run pro? So I mean, he not, went what, on what, to say, what asphalt oval oval does he run pro in? He's he's I think he's competed in the Coke series before. Yeah, he's been in Coke. Yep. He was uh, the 2019 USAC uh, runner-up. Um, and then late model, he got as high as third in the late model championships. I'm, I'm biased because of on-track experience, but I'd have to put, I'd have to throw Kristen Chandler into the hat. Yeah, I, but I mean, he's not competing in all the championships, though, even though he's capable of it. Well, that's because yeah. he's an iRacing employee. I'm just trying to figure out what, what we distinguish as the greatest of all time. Right. There's there's a lot of different ways of looking at it. I think uh, in this video, uh, DJ EJ is kind of like saying, as far as different um, skills, um, he's maxed out at the highest level for all the different variations of skills. I'd like to throw in there like Mitchell DeYoung, who was a Coke race driver. He was top, top tier in the Porsche series. Oh, he was top tier in the road um dirt road rally stuff um only thing i didn't see him in is uh oval dirt but that's i mean he was at the very tippy top of all three of those um different disciplines well and then and I, sorry then you have those guys like what is it maxine benicky or whatever is it he's got who's got the highest road i mean he's done a lot on the roadside like there's different ways to look at it. i think it's hard when you're on the sim, if you're using the sim as a thing, it's really hard to um, differentiate because each one of them has a discipline they're great at, and then the rest of them. And you guys are saying like he's got a pro license at all. I'm okay, and that's that's actually really, really, really impressive because it's really hard to get all four if you think about which yeah. ones all those disciplines are. Because the the rally one is the interesting one because it's not even really there anymore well on chandler's side even though he doesn't compete in the pro series anymore because he's an employee he still runs competes in the majors and it pretty much wins almost everything he's in and majors bounces between the different disciplines will they'll run an open wheel then they'll run an open wheel oval then they'll run a, an a, a a nascar race and they'll run an old cars nascar race and then and then they'll run a rally race and then a dirt race they'll run every discipline and he's one of the he's just usually contending for the championship pretty much every year so um i mean that's this is going to be just like all those shows where they argue over over who's the greatest between the different basketball areas it's 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 going to be so opinion driven that we're just right. trying to back up our opinions at this point but even even in real real world racing comparisons, like some people say, Tony Stewart's like really up there because you know he's won a championship in IRL, he's won uh, NASCAR championships, heck, he just won a drag racing championships. He's run race races in sprint cars. Um, even even um, even uh, what's his name? Uh, boy, Larson is uh, you know he he's a he's a different type of driver. He runs a lot of different types of cars, but you know, is Tony Stewart the best NASCAR driver? That might be a different story as opposed to, you know, overall. So I think it's just different ways of looking at it. Um, you know, some people might, might take their ability to run different disciplines as a more, as more important than if they're just really, really good at one discipline. And I think that's kind of where this uh, debate is coming from, but it, it's interesting to talk about. And it's, it's, uh, and Bergeron is definitely putting up some big numbers. 
speaking of big numbers, Brian, why don't you tell us about the next one that backs up why he might be the, the GOAT? Yeah, right. So uh, we're going to hop on to the World of Outlaws uh, Thrustmaster Series Sprint Cars week number two. And guess who wins? Uh, Alex Bergeron. He's won the first two races of the week of the season so far. Uh, this one is at uh, Weed Sport. Um, he, um, wow, he started fourth in the uh, heat race and wound up taking the win in his heat race to start on the outside pole and uh, took the lead from uh, Tanner Pettit, who was, uh, who was the pole sitter. Really good race, though. Um, Pettit, Bergeron, and Tyler Schell, who was in the mix, who finished third, uh, were really dicing it up. Weed Sport is an interesting track. It's not real big, but it's wide, and, uh, and, it's, and you can race multiple grooves in there. Alex Bergeron was pretty much bottom fishing, taking the short way around the track all Almost the entire race, and Tanner Pettit was running a different line. He would he would uh, he would come right up to the wall on the entrance of the turn, slide all the way to the outside wall, and try to get some drive off that way. So guys were different, running different lines and switching back and forth a good bit. But sure enough, uh, uh, Alex Bergeron uh, takes takes the win on this one. Um, and obviously, with two wins for the season, he's in the points lead. Um, Taylor Tanner Pettit finishes is in the second in points, and James Eden's in third. Uh, Hayden Carwell, who um, who uh, had a tough luck in week one, um, he had a terrible race. He 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 qualified really far down and didn't even make the feature. Um, so some some tough tough luck for some of the other drivers. And Alex Bergeron has taken uh, an early stranglehold of this championship. Yeah, uh, man, he didn't even make the feature. That's a huge uh, hit, and then. I, Evan Say, you know, got a fifth and uh, other notable James Eden's 10th. Yeah. And another guy who uh, is one of the better uh, sprint car drivers and late model drivers, he finished second was uh, Logan Rumsey, who's a, a local driver around here in real world. Um, he actually was in the race, but didn't make the feature. He he had soldier, shoulder surgery last week and was racing with one arm, and it just didn't translate for whatever reason. He couldn't couldn't pull it off. So tough luck for for Logan to try to get back in this uh, in this championship. All right, we have one more semi-related. Uh, John, how about this guy? He thinks he might be the goat. Yeah, we have a guy that made a little history here. Uh, a racer by the name of Glenn McGee, who uh, he's the first sim racer to win both esports and real life FIA sanctioned world titles. Uh, he did the uh, Lamborghini Super Trail world title, and so uh, yeah, this guy's made some history. He can do it. He can do it on the sim, and he can do it in a real car. I forget exactly what he won in the sim, some kind of contest. Uh, Road road coursing, of course. I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah, I was thinking it's pretty cool. One of the FIA. Well, we've been at, at, talking about it for years now. That pretty much real life and sim racing are blended now. I wouldn't say merged, but blended. There's a there's an overlap for sure. Yeah, it's Glenn McGee is the name of this guy. Um, anyway, yeah, congrats to him. So next up, let's jump from reality to a questionable reality, I guess. What do you think, Brian? So, um, yeah, this, this is a, something that came out in uh, Abu Dhabi, I guess, in preparation for the F1 race. But um, instead of AI driving, sim racers are going to be sim, sim racers control the real cars, right? So um, Abu Dhabi back to, they call them A2RL, Autonomous Racing Leagues, um, which is uh, 
10, t- 10 driverless cars are going to be racing these formula cars and wheel-to-wheel battle from next year. So it's going to be an all-AI motorsports um, league, I guess. And, and the cars will have no drivers. Um, and uh, it's just going to be the AI racing against other AI. So it's almost like if you go to iRacing and, and run AI and just don't have anybody, don't race with them, just see what happens, I guess. Here's the one positive I can see from this. Why are we slowing all the cars down, especially on the NASCAR side? People. Yeah. You know, and um, jets are kind of the same way now. They can't, they can't turn any more G's than they already turn or you kill the pilot. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what you could take in a stock car race where you could go to Daytona and, and, and have them have AI that could actually draft and, in unrestricted cars i would love to see that so does that mean you gotta stop cheering for somebody and you started cheering for a car i guess i don't or, know or you're cheering for a team i guess right well there he goes for jeff gordon and what is he talking about he wanted the teams to be cheered for now instead of the individual drivers he was pushing for i just think it's odd because you always hitch your wagon to a person your whole life a driver or uh and then with a team as well but i just i can't see i guess it's so different than sim racing because it's all we're seeing is just the car go around and we're there is a driver in it but not really um i just can't see hitching myself to a car that has no legitimate driver and what what uh what is considered AI for, for doing this? Like, you know, could you, can you, can it be manipulated and controlled to, to be, uh, I don't know, like have someone in charge of, or not in charge, but in, um, someone could win because of a software failure or something like that. Well, most AI oh. nowadays are trained by in the same way that large language models are. Where they just dump insane amount of data and let it learn itself through correlation, right? So that's so how chat my, my take on it works. So my take on this was dump the AI and have sim racers remote control these ten cars from a, a cockpit. So you get Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton and and uh, some other all-stars from F1, because these races are going to be held uh, pre-F1 on the F1 circuits. They're going to follow the F1 schedule and so forth. And so it could be a spectacle where you get the top 10 F1 drivers in cockpits, uh, they're sim racing, but, but on their screen, they can see like a camera out of the real car. And these were real cars on the real track. They're sitting in the pit lane, in sim cockpits controlling these cars now i think that would be something because the fans would would like david said tie into hey i'm a fan of max for max you know i'm gonna watch max win this thing that was greg but i wonder i think that's actually technically harder because the the lag time even even from even if you're using camera feeds is going to be just enough that there's going to be a limit to how close they could cut the corners uh as far as reaction time goes whereas the ai is in the seat 
I don't know, with our new 5G technology at Verizon with network splitting, which they actually just uh, tested at the F1 race at Vegas, where they would provide specific streamers. Like, for example, Lance Norris, uh, he was doing a stream on his thing, and they, they gave him like a dedicated network splitting channel from Verizon over the 5G so he wouldn't have any latency or delay. And so there's ways technically around that. You can't speed up the speed of light. Even if you're, well, if you're sitting over across a two mile delay. track, right there, you're not going to, you're, I mean, think about when you see even lightning a mile away, how much later this, the, 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 the separation of the light and the sound there's, there's, there's delay. And it's going to be just enough that you're not actually going to be the car is not going to be where the driver sees the car being when he gets the video feed. And, you know, let, let, let's just be honest. OK, this is a this is a neat idea. I, I think it's it's interesting. But at no point am I ever going to go pay to watch 10 AI cars drive around track. I mean, you read the article, that's one of the things it says in here, you know, this is, uh, you know, takes driver driverless competition to an ambitious new level, even though spectators have so far failed to warm to the idea. Well, yeah. Uh, again, the, the whole purpose with racing is, you know, Ken Squire passed this past week. And, and for, for an oval guy, you listen to Ken Squire and, you know, Dale Earnhardt, Kelly Yarbrough, all these guys were superheroes. And that's what you cling to. You know, you, you cling to, to guys doing things that are incredible that none of us could do. Um, like I said, I, is it neat? Yeah, it's neat. I, I just don't see it ever going any further than that. And it will definitely never replace driver racing. I wonder if, if uh, like you were saying earlier that uh, you know you don't have the driver in there to 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 get injured if if something happens, but it seems to me like when the, when there's a problem with the AI, it's usually like a catastrophic issue. You know, it's not like I just barely missed a missed a turn. It's just like oh, I turned right instead of left. You know, and 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 then the the accident at that speed becomes you know like you projectile type of uh, damage. Or the starts of the races where they hot start in the pits and just run over each other at the very beginning. Uh, that, yeah. that I would I would pay to see that and just and just laugh at all the engineers at that point. Right, just a complete pile up in the first turn, and yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and uh, go with iRacing racing for dummies as the next topic, and appropriately, I have to pass this one to Greg. Yeah, I think Greg had to step away uh, for just a minute, but. Uh, Sim Racing Pal did a YouTube video. This guy does some short videos, but this is about 15 minutes long. And he just takes new users through the UI uh, on iRacing and just explains all the different things that you can do. A real basic beginner video, but if you're just starting out in iRacing, uh, it helps you understand how to navigate through some of the different uh, menus and, and things to, to change settings. Yeah, I mean... This isn't the first one to be made, um, but I can tell you, as being somebody who was gone from the service for seven years, when I got back into it, um, I was watching ones like this because there was there was stuff that one I'd forgotten how to do, and then two, so much stuff had changed. So, um, I, any videos like this, I think, are helpful. 
Yeah, I mean, even if you if you know iRacing in and out, if you know somebody who's just getting started, so you can say, hey, check this video out. It'll help you out with some of the introductory stuff. Um, and it's a good way to get an introduction in iRacing. So it's it's still it's still helpful no matter what your skill level is. Uh, the, the lone racer out there, I mean, you can hover over the the words and it'll give you a hint of what this means or what it does. But when you hear somebody else in a video say something about it, oh, I didn't realize, you know, that's what that's for or something like that. So, yeah, knowledge is king. All right, Justin, what has uh, recently surfaced out on in the Twitterverse or Xverse? Yeah, Mike Diaz at Southern National has repaved the top line and added PJ1 down the middle for Thanksgiving late model stock classic. And Matt Weaver um, puts out an X uh, for Thanksgiving late model stock, cla stock classic this weekend in National Southern National Park. Yeah, Mike Diaz has a repave of the top lane with PJ1 and resin down the middle. And then he quotes, restarts are going to be something. So I assume that top lane is going to be lit. Oh, ultra grip, right? <laughs> so that'll be the preferred lane, but then he's doing the PJ1 in the middle and then nothing on the bottom. Now, now my I remember running this in iRacing, and the bottom is where you want to be. You can see in this picture there's four lanes. Justin, in iRacing, we're, we're on that first lane down at the bottom. That's no man's land way up there where they paved. I mean, you would never go up there. So I'm a little confused about what's happening. So is the top lane slick before all this? It's just the long way around. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's Southern National. I mean, you can kind of. I don't want to say cut the corner, but I mean you're you're hooking the hooking the bottom continually. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm I'm fine for paving. I'm not a big fan of the whole PJ one stuff. Um, you know, maybe on a late model standpoint, it's fine. You know, I think in the Cup Series and in NASCAR at the higher classes, it's just been used to to try to uh, fix things that should have been fixed a different way. And they also didn't it didn't work they haven't put them in the right lane or it just it it just becomes the preferred lane and they don't put it in the right amount to create two grooves yeah and you know fix the car instead of trying to put a band-aid on it well but anyway, maybe it's time uh, for a rescan rescan yeah that's what i was gonna say and that's an old track i mean that, that track is it's dated it's a lot of fun if you haven't run it um you know, you can really get hauling around there. I mean, you can do like 13 second laps and stuff like that. Well, seeing that it's Black Friday, hopefully everyone has uh, gone and taken advantage of the iRacing um, Black Friday sale. So uh, it was tweet from or X post, whatever we call it now, from iRacing. Um, some more information about the uh, November development and, uh, you know, encouraging everybody to go ahead and take advantage of the uh, the Black Friday. So I went ahead and added another year to mine uh, Wednesday. And this tweet has some pretty neat pictures as well. Um, looks like a, a track slinger, right? And then a wire mesh photo, I think of the Audi, because they're putting out a new Audi BMW, right? Or not Audi BMW, L Audi GT3. Um, I'm not sure what that next thing is, but it, it, it looks like the like the structure of a that's of, SRX. Of a is that the SRX car? Okay. Mm -hmm. And what's really neat is that you see some planes that they have added and that, I mean, two dimensional surfaces that are showing the symmetries of it, I guess, maybe the axles. 
So the deal goes through November 30th. So you have a few more days, guys. Uh, this will be the last time we mention it on the show. So get it renewed. It's the best deal you'll get. All right, Mike, we got a contest coming up. Yeah, this is a re-mention of the Go Drive Smart iRacing contest that uh, DJ EJ has put together. Uh, Casey Kerwin is one of the guest uh, coaches uh, or team leaders or whatever you call it uh, in the contest. So he uh, tweeted up a reminder. Uh, it's a chance to win a VIP trip to Daytona and over $3,500 in prizes. So uh, get involved. Uh, the combined races are December 4th through December 6th. So, this is our track. We, we should look into this. So kind of update you guys. I've been doing this contest. Um, I actually, I'm 127th. You got to stay in the top 200. And yeah, yeah I've, cool. I've taken about four or five sessions where I was staying at 90. People keep bumping me down to about 110. I get another good lap in. I jump up to 80 get down about 120 again, pop it back up to about 90, then I, I just can't beat my time now. And so I've been going down. And so I started at like 96. I've been going down about five positions a day, but this is the first day it's, it's held all day for 127. So it's, it's getting harder to beat it. Me and the, me and the leader are only six one thousandths of a second away from each other nice and then after after the um time attack then they do a draft if you're in the top 200 right you have the, the team captains and they they will draft the top 200 into their their teams yeah that's i'm trying to that's why i was trying to get some insurance i was going to tell you guys earlier but i didn't want to get cocky and ruin it so <laughs> but uh but yeah so hopefully hopefully i stay solid up there so all right yeah cool good luck i hope you hope you make it Thank you. Sounds like you're going to stick it uh, if you're in the top 100 out of the 200. You, it looks like it might stick. Yeah, I hope. I mean, it's right now it's just getting frustrating because I'm working on ten thousandths of a second and like any little movement can bust your lap. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm tired of restarting my damn car. <laughs> now, can you take advantage of active reset to make the process quicker somehow? Well, I... I thought about that, making a practice session, but I didn't know if it'd be worth it because I didn't know if I could make the track one for one compared to his session. So I didn't want to spend all that time hot lapping, then running his and be off by a little bit. Yeah, wrong weather or something. But you got to mat the thing and you got to trust the car. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually kind of fun. I think that's what it uh, says, Charlotte in the old... Uh, Silverado. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I was going to say, um, I thought of the first time I drove it, I thought of David because every time he tweaks a set, it feels like his set going around the corner. All right. We got one event left in the year. It looks like the 2023 winter derby. It's a open setup. It's 300 lap race held at five flags speedway in Pensacola. Florida. There's going to be, I think, the three standard start times. Actually, these look a little different. We got two GMT uh, on Wednesday. This is almost more like NIS times. Uh, 1900 on Thursday, two GMT on Friday, and uh, 15 GMT on Sunday. 
Yeah, we've already missed these first two. The third one is tonight and just uh, two hours from now. Um, yeah. Yeah, I ran the one on Wednesday. It didn't end well, so I'm going to run again tonight. Yikes. Okay, well, good luck for tonight. Anyone else on the team running? I think Donnie was running. Yeah, he said he was going to, so uh, I had a good run going, but we'll talk about that when we get the results. Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We would appreciate it. Check out our Discord and get involved in the discussion. And check out our iRacersLounge.com for the script. We're in regular rotation at Performance Motorsports Network. And uh, many thanks to Mike Conti uh, and his new uh, performance uh, team. Man, I, we're so excited to be involved with them and uh, looking forward to uh, talking about them each and every week. Lastly, uh, don't forget your merch. At least two guys are wearing merch here. David's got his shirt. John's got his shirt. I got a hat. That's three of us. So, hey, uh, you listeners out there, get your merch at irishersloungeshop Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, let's kick off some hardware talk. We've got a P1X Pro review, and it's been done by, I guess, Sim Racing Setups. And I see two videos here, Mike. So is that two different reviews? Yeah, you know how these hardware uh, manufacturers do. They send out free hardware to the YouTubers, and uh, we get all the videos in the same week. So Sim Racing okay. Setup is one of them, and Dave Cam is the other. Yeah, I actually watched all of these two videos. Uh, uh, the the reviews from both of these guys are big thumbs up. I mean, they said the quality uh, of this thing is great. Uh, little to no flex at all. Not hard to put together. I think Dave Cam said it took him about four hours to put his together, and the guy at the sim racing setup said about six. But these guys had glowing reviews of this. It's, it, I guess it's a little bit of a redesign or some changes to the previous version uh, that they made on this one. Yeah, Dave Cam did a good job of kind of detailing what those changes are. Uh, the P1X is what the rig I have. I think, David, you have it. Um, and it's put together with these 90-degree corner brackets. Uh, on every corner, you get these tiny little corner brackets. Well, there's not a single corner bracket on the on this new Pro Rig. They have different kind of connectors on the corners. They got a rounded, uh, pre-drilled kind of holder, I guess you'd say. Um, uh, things, yeah. And there's it's just a different design the way that these are hooked, where the the female part of the bolt is put right into the aluminum and and so every, everything is put together uh, directly and there's not these little corner brackets and that's really the key difference and the other one is the angle the angle of the uprights all uprights are angled a little bit um and so keep that in mind too but you know simlab is known for their quality the p1x has been probably the sim racing gold standard for rigs for many years now um according to dave and i'll have to agree with him without having my hands on it 
this is the new standard guys well, these things it looks really sharp you know and uh sim lab they've got their black friday deal going on i think you can pick this thing up for oh, it's normally about 850 but you can get it for 760 right now and you know that's that's not a bad price for uh what you get here it's not and their reputation is flawless you know as far as the p1x and but uh yeah i you know i don't know about the seat i, I think i like everything but their their blue seat now I, I like the look of it but as dave cam mentioned it's a little small and you know he was like 510 195 or something and he said it's a little tight you know so if you're a bigger guy than that you might need a bigger seat i don't think you can get the seat over here anyway uh when i ordered from them i had to get my seat separately because shipping a seat overseas is is big money where we're compared to shipping the aluminum profile disassembled um so you definitely don't have to get the seat so I get you just get you anything from from a, a local seat place as 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 yeah. meaning this continent. NRG get you an NRG seat. There's no question. Yeah, that's what I got when I when I bought mine. And the thing I like about that is then you you have option to buy sizes. You know, you can actually get a size that fits you better than than one of these. I've always been super happy with my Sparco as well because uh, um, it's simply fits for racing i don't have any pressure points any no part of my body becomes numb or or overpressured even through hours of sitting in it See, that's the that's the one thing i did cheap on on my on my rig was my seat i just got the stock track racer seat and that's the only thing that flexes and it drives me nuts i bet you i go in a centimeter or centimeter and a half probably so i mean i just want a little bit more stiffer that would suggest, you know, like I said, if you're looking dollar-wise, energy is not bad. I mean, I've got an energy um, and no, no, no flex, no movement, nothing. That and I think someone in our group was getting a track racer set. But um, the one thing I don't like either is the seat rails. They're very cheap, and I get flex out of them too. And I wish there's. I'm trying to find a place that has like industrial, thick, heavy-duty seat rails just to mount it yeah well the energy has the seat rails too yeah that's what i got for mine um i may end up going back and just solid mounting my my seat at some point i've got it on you know on the, the roller cast or whatever um just to make it easier to get in and out but i think i may end up going back and just fixing mine i bought a set for mine and they didn't fit because the whole mounting holes on my seat are different than than standard and so it was just it was not arranged in the right order like they wouldn't fit on so i had to send them back um but yeah any of those options are good and back on the p1x uh i can't i can't speak to the all the aluminum quality of every rig but in a lot of cases when you when you try to go for the discount option where they're, where they're going to save the money is they're going with a lighter a lighter duty aluminum just simply and there's there's simply just not as much metal there's not as much strength um and i'm not i can't name a specific one and call one out i just know that that's that's where you can see the difference is the quality and sturdy and what's the word i'm looking for sturdiness of the of the aluminum um one yeah. more call out in differences that dave cam mentioned was the 
the larger profile on this new pro rig that has kind of the flat surface they basically took out the two inner channels and that's open it's open air and he said that made the whole rig a lot lighter as far as the weight and it's a cable uh management dream because you can run your cables through the middle of that uh that big excursion um and and hide all your stuff so uh the uh, the other thing that the other video sim racing setup mentioned that there's the only drawback i've ever heard on this is the uprights that are angled kind of got in the way of where he wanted to put his single monitor he runs a single monitor and they were kind of in his way and, and so he had to like put the monitor in not quite the spot he wanted to like he had to, or he butted it right up against the uh the top of those uprights and so the angle upright has always had that problem uh with the next level racing and now now this one as well now i don't know if this is me being picky i would have never noticed this uh, being a first-time buyer but i'm not a fan of the angles i think that would be hard if i ever wanted to add an 80 20 excursion to it to customize it to my features my likes or whatever i think it would be really really hard to mount where if it's at a 90 it's just simple and it's easy just one straight cut yeah and i have already added basically an extra shelf that goes behind my base since i don't run monitors my monitors sit over my computer desk and what sits there now is my uh my amplifier for my butt kicker and my two flight sim sticks sit up there when I'm not using them as well. Uh, and it, you know, so I don't think I'd have been able to put that on there with the slanted setup either, or it would have been a lot more complicated to, to line it all up. Uh, he also covered, should you upgrade if you have a P one X and the short answer is no. Um, I mean, it, it, they're both equal as far as what you're going to get when you're driving. But if you're new and you and you you're buying a rig and you want to buy your forever rig, yeah, it's a buy and you would buy the pro for sure, as that's what Dave said. So it's going to be his daily driver. He's retiring the P1X and he's going to be riding on the pro now. So uh, if I was well, buying today, I'd probably pick this one. But you know what will not be your forever rig is the next one, because if you take a look at it, you might outgrow it. Isn't that right, Brad? Yeah, so uh, Conspit has, uh, unveils their GTB Sim Rig, which is designed for young racers. Um, we talked about Conspit a little bit um, over the last, I guess, month or so. So, uh, yeah, pretty neat. You know, compact, small. Um, you know, I don't know how long someone would stay in. It looks like there's a little bit of adjustability built into it. Um, but interesting. I couldn't find anything price-wise. Was anybody able to figure that out? No, I, I, I didn't. Find it. Yeah, and and their website is not very user friendly. I was trying to navigate through it just to get some pricing, and I couldn't even do it. Yeah, I I couldn't find prices or uh, couldn't find specs on you know how big of a kid can fit into this thing. You know, at what point would you outgrow it and have to go to a bigger one? You know, and I started thinking. I mean, I'm thinking I've got a track racer. Uh, TR160 downstairs. And if I wanted to, I could, it's got enough flexibility. I could, could make it smaller for a smaller person to be in there. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, depends on what the cost of that thing is, but um, yeah. 
I've seen several times, I've seen Bobby post uh, small designs that he's made for his son of smaller 80-20 rigs. Yeah, this is more of a kind of a thin sheet metal look, not really a 80-20. Uh, and the kid in the pictures looks like he may be six or seven years old. It's him anyway. Yeah, but you know, um, so, uh, you know, the more and more legitimized high racing is becoming as a training tool and a way to make your way into real world racing. If 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 you have aspirations for your son or daughter, and uh, you know, and they want to get into real world racing, this is a good way to learn learn some uh, race craft and and uh, you know. And just the basic skills of racing before you would move on. So, yeah, if, if it's, I can see somebody who, who's really interested in getting their uh, their child into racing to get something like this to get them really started and serious about racing in general. It's still cheaper even than running a cart. It is. Uh, I think it what? was our teammate uh, Chris Waldron posted um, a picture of uh, his young son in some kind of little driving mechanism. And he, I, he said he would be interested in getting his son something like this. Well, you know yeah, something we, that's right. Go ahead. Right, we were talking a little while ago with the, the P1X about, you know, the slider seats. And that's what I use um, to slide my seat up for my kid to drive, but it's still not comfortable. His steering wheels over his head. It's not, it's still not really the best way to drive when you're a child. All right. Now I'll make my smooth transition. Everybody ready? Here we go. By the way, we don't have a live producer in case you guys haven't figured it out. So we just kind of guess when we're ready to move on the topics. Because why? Because it's a casual setting. So don't expect that to change. Um, the, something, though, that is cheaper, way cheaper. And I'm looking at this right now and, and, and experiencing reverse sticker shock. Uh, Fanatex, Black for, blah, 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 blah. Fanatex Black Friday sale. And um, this is just more evidence of what probably a combination of, of their customer service reputation and the fact that there's just so much more competition out there now that they probably just can't mark stuff up the way they used to. Well, I think they're trying to clear out these DD1s and DD2s uh, because they're kind of no longer valid with some of the new products they've dumped. That's kind of what it sounds like to me with their new their new uh, wheelbases that just came out that um, uh, are, are a lot less money for the brand new products and stuff. I think I think you're right. I think they're trying to clean these guys out. So the DD2 is listed at 800 euros and normally 1500 sold out though. I don't know if it's a good idea to buy into the the podium series. But Carl Gosling did a video here that said, you know what, it might be worth it because of the price. I mean, if you're if you're trying to get in at a you know a certain amount of um it might be worth it to get an older wheel like this, uh, you know, at that price. It certainly isn't worth it at the fifteen hundred dollar price, but you gotta really think twice when you see that number. I think you hit hit it on the nail when you said not at the fifteen hundred dollar price. Yeah, for this deal, I would say I would say if that's what you want to spend, if that's your budget, you could go for it. But at this point, I, I I'm I'm on Fanatec and I'll be on it until I can't run it anymore. Um, but I 
you know, they don't sponsor me, so I can't recommend them at the, anymore. <laughs> well, what other wheelbase is going to give the 25 Newton meters, you know, for 800 bucks? I, I don't think there's one out there. So it's a heck of a deal. Um, and they, they do have a good ecosystem of a lot of rims as well. There's a lot of choices out there rim-wise. We did have a second video here uh, that covered the same topic. It was from Paul is Gaming, and uh, he was a good, uh, a good video. All right. Well, let's step on the pedals, or actually the DC3 RS pedals. We have a review from Race Beyond Matter. So, John, did you give this one a look? Yeah, I did. I watched this DC Sim Racing. Uh, they've got the DC3 RS load cell pedals. Uh, that was on Race Beyond Matter. This is a company in Spain that's put this product out. And, uh, you know, the bad news is you can't get these in the U.S. right now. So, uh, a little bit out of the reach for the U.S. Uh, listeners. But this guy did a real in depth. Uh, review and you know these are some highly adjustable pedals easy to adjust great software uh, he said for the price these are these are really good to get so if, if you're looking for pedals and you can figure out a way to get them out of Spain uh, this this video is worth looking at yeah typical load cell pedal uh, looks pretty cool though they nice uh, look to them yeah, I don't think it's anything groundbreaking. I mean, if you've seen these, they're very similar to the Husenfelds, Simjacks, and, and the rest of them. So, um, I mean, it really reminded me of the, the Husenfelds. I've got the Sprints, and I mean, the software looks very much the same, uh, a little more adjustability, but the same elastomer. Um, again, almost looks exactly the same to, to what most out, is already out there. I agree with that. I got the Ultimates, and that's the first thing I noticed was that the brake pedal, the elastomers are about one for one. But a lot cheaper. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the things that he was impressed by was, you know, what you're going to get for the price. Um, probably worth a look. I, yeah, but I don't. Nothing groundbreaking here. Just, just good load sell for the for the price. Thought it's interesting that the uh, the accelerator pedal has two separate sets of springs on it. Um, kind of is that is that how the Huskinvilles are as well? Does it also have a uh, a hydraulic dampener or just springs? Mine's just got elastomers and and um, yeah, that's it. Then yeah, that's it. The sprints is a spring, I believe. I'd have to look at it. I think it's a spring. Yeah, it's no. I don't think there's a dampener on it. Well, we got another rig review. Uh, take this one, Brian. Yeah, this is the one from All in One Gaming. They have two new cockpits that they're sh they're showing. Um, one is called the Phantom, and one is called the Pro. They're eighty twenty. I'm looking at them now. So the uh, the Pro series looks fairly standard uh, eighty twenty system. Um, they do have uh, some interesting uh, corner brackets, um, and uh, you got the uh, wheelbase mounts in the center just like pretty much you see in a lot of them some interesting colors um so it's a series 45 commercial grade aluminum profile so it's a uh, it's fairly strong I was and the phantom series go ahead oh, sorry i was just trying to pinpoint the difference between the pro and the phantom i mean the pro is around 1200 and the phantom's a bit cheaper 
Yeah, it's weird because the Phantom looks like it's built stronger because um, it's got it's it's got a four wide uh, base and a three wide wide on the uprates, so it looks bigger. But maybe it's maybe the um, the quality and the the yeah, the strength of the aluminum might be a little less. And the quarter it's, brackets uh, are a little different. Yeah, it's a industrial 15 series aluminum profile. So I think it's a little not quite as strong as the other one. I think these guys are U.S. based. And so I just, you know, we've talked about them a long time ago. And, and we've, we sometimes get hung up on the, the big sim, com, uh, sim rig companies like Sim Lab and Advanced Sim Racing and Track Racer. But we forget about this one, all-in-one gaming. They have some really quality stuff. Yeah, they have an interesting um, uh, pedal mounting system with uh, with uh, it's kind of like a half half circle um, bracket with uh, holes all around the circle, so you can tilt it up and, and just mount it exactly where you want it. So I think that's kind of kind of a neat twist on those. It is, yeah. So they got some unique stuff. Um, I like it. You know, it, it's nice to have options. I'll be expensive. All right, I'll take the next one. Well, uh, these are also from Huskinville. They're the MagShift, and they have unveiled the next generation OG magnetic sequential shifters with MagShift. I'm going to go ahead and read their X out real quick. They're proud to present the next generation of sequential shifter. It's the MagShift. It's a sequential shifter with the patented magnetic shift system. You'll feel the gears click in place like the real cars. MagShift is the most versatile sequential shifter available. I love the look, and it also has three buttons on it. Um, I, I assume those can be configurable to be, basically be extra buttons that you could use button box-wise. And there's, it also says configurable up to 10 different outputs or customizable outputs. That, I really don't know what that means, but I would love to find out. Well, I really uh, with, with the buttons was you... The software allows you to you could change make settings pretty quick while you're in game. You know, as far as the the, the software setting. I really like the look of this. I am, I try to get my rig as NASCAR feel as possible, and I think this actually looks like the gear shifters. Kind of resembles them in a way as the real Cup cars. No, it does look good, and you know it's going to be well made, and they'll stand behind it forever. Justin, I mean, buyer's remorse. I mean, didn't you buy a Heiskenveld shifter already? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I'm just curious on, I don't think it ever told you the price, um, but I'm curious because, I mean, mine's functionable. It works. It's good quality. It's going to last forever. It just, it looks simple. And um, it, it was 200 bucks. So I'm just curious to see what this would be, will be. Yeah, maybe you do an upgrade, sell yours, and get this one. It might be a nice uh, step up. Well, my my future plan is uh, kind of backstory. My wife's from Brazil. I plan on retiring in Brazil, so every upgrade I do here, I'm gonna bring over to Brazil and make a rig over there. Have two, so I don't miss out. Don't miss an IS race. Nice. So it looks like um, on the website it's showing 371 euros. So I'm um, not sure what the conversion rate is at at this point, but I thought it's fairly close to one to one for US dollar. And the video indicates the way the magnets work. It feels like you're shooting a car. You get the real, you get the click and the the feel of it. So that's important, I think. And uh, 
yeah, a, a very trusted brand too. Yeah, that um, I looked it up. It's four hundred seven U.S. dollars. I probably would have bought it. All right, something else I might buy is the Sabrent sixteen port hub mount from Sim Sport Gadget. He makes a mounting hub for this 16 port USB hub to attach to your 8020 rig. So he, he doesn't make the USB hub, but he makes the, the mounting bracket for it. So you uh, put it like probably right behind your center monitor. Um, that way you can plug all your accessories and different things into one uh, strip and uh, just have one USB go off to the computer. I mean, talk about cleaning up your cable mess. Uh, this is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I looked at the video for this. It's actually really cool. The Sabrin normally comes with a back-mounted um, um, bracket that you would screw into a wall or, run, or your desk or something, and the, this clips in, which really wouldn't work well with the 8020. So, um, this is, this is a really good, interesting way of uh, mounting it to your rig to keep it all close by. So um, 16 USB ports is pretty impressive. Yeah, he's already done a, a 10, 10 USB port version, and now they have the 16 uh, port version, so you can do either one. Now, a lot of these new wheelbases, they have USB uh, ports on the back of them now for kind of the same thing, like when you get the uh, Invicta from Asatech, I think it has uh, four or five ports on the back. You run out of ports really quick, especially if you're running yeah, two, sure two button boxes and a wheel, um, a VR, a separate shifter, a separate type of pedal that has three outputs, you know, uh, add a couple of flight sim sticks as well. And you're out of, I have to run a hub or I wouldn't keyboard, have everything in keyboard there. and a mouse, uh, yeah. a butt kicker. And I actually have two mouses and two keyboards because I've got mine, mine for the rig and, and for the desktop side. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about in final thoughts, but I've been kind of clean, re redoing my wiring and everything. And I think I have like about 10 USBs and that's without and that's using Bluetooth keyboard and mouse. So it's up there. I never thought about that. Can you connect the Bluetooth keyboards now that come with uh, usually their own little receiver? Can you directly connect those if your motherboard has Bluetooth? Yes. Um, My Logitech is. So okay, you can just you can just save that USB slot then and not use the dongle. Yeah, you don't have to use the dongle. Yeah, it, it just it picks it right up from the motherboard as long as it's Bluetooth motherboard. I guess. Wow. I just freed up two slots. <laughs> <laughs> we've been talking track racer a little bit and we've got another track racer review. It looks like, uh, John, let's see how that mic's working now. Nope. Now <laughs> I shouldn't have even said anything cause now we can't hear him at all. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. So I watched the video for, uh, Dan Suzuki. Uh, I think he's been using this for about two years. So it was a, it was a good review. Um, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff he said. My biggest, I love it, mine. I have the exact same one, but he's right. When you open up the box, you got metal filings everywhere. Um, played heck trying to get those out of the carpet. Um, but I mean, all in all, you, you know what you're paying, you know what you're getting when you, when you buy this, uh, it's a sturdy piece. So, um, but it gives me confidence knowing that I've sunk some money in there and, yeah, after two years, guy hadn't had any issues.
Yeah, and he mounts all kinds of extra stuff on his that is re related to his videos and streaming and cameras and lighting and and microphones and different things that we normally don't have. And any he just described how the you know uh, the eighty twenty aluminum extrusion you know offers uh, l limitless possibilities to modify. Um, and so track racer is no different, of course. Yeah, the metal shavings thing, he basically said, you know, track racers should clean this metal before they package it, just like SimLabs does. Like if you get a SimLab Pro, I guarantee you, you're not getting metal shavings when you unwrap the package. The big yeah. problem, sorry, uh, Brian, uh, the big problem I had was hardware. And everybody across the board, I was going, uh, looking up on Reddit and all that. Everybody had problem with hardware, either missing or too much of one thing. I had to go to Fastenal to finish my build to get the right countersunk Allen's. It, that that was a big problem I had. Yeah, and I've read that too. Um, I didn't have any issues um, at all. I actually had a couple questions and reached out to them, and within a day, got a response. Um, so. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, maybe I got lucky. Uh, I know there's been some horror stories. Um, I, I think it's probably more, I think the European side is probably a little worse than, than the U.S. side, maybe. Um, but yeah, the, other thing, the other thing with the shavings was, I don't know if SimLabs does any different, but um, they were dirty. I mean, just like an oil kind of film on them, you know, on all the pieces. So I know they had to do that in order to keep it from, from rusting and stuff, but uh in hindsight, you know, I, I wish I'd have just taken it all out in the garage, cleaned it, wiped it down, and then brought it all in. Yeah, and that's what he recommended. If you buy this rig, clean it outside, and then carry it in your house. <laughs> all right, Mike, you're the SimuCube guy, so we've got a new D-shaped racing wheel. Yeah, SimuCube is teasing their new D-shaped racing wheel called the Valo GT23 coming to their ecosystem. It's got... Uh, shifter paddles it's got button box you know leds for the rpm uh kind of plain jane to me kind of looks like a sparko wheel knockoff kind of thing um but you know would i buy it i don't know if i would i mean that first wheel that they put out was so tempting but i don't know this one's just not speaking to me it does have the dual clutches I could see myself almost using this as an oval rim ish because I'd never really turn past nine o'clock anyway. Right. So I don't know. I like, I like the additional features on it, particularly it does have the dual clutch. So 12.6 inches is the wheel size. Um, you know, that's just, yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's pretty normal for a sim wheel. But like I said, I'm running a 15 inch, so a little bit bigger. Moving on down, Brian, we have uh, Fanatec and Sparco featured by Will Ford. Yeah, this uh, kind of came out of nowhere. I don't remember seeing this, but um, Fanatec has just released a partnership with uh, Sparco, and they are releasing uh, a couple new re wheel hubs for it. Um, I think there's four, I believe, and they have the uh, um, just Alcantara type of grips. They have a, a D-shaped wheel. They have um, a butterfly type, uh, an oval. So um, a few different types to pick from. And uh, I think they work with that new center hub, the button box hub that Fanatex offers as well. So um, um, yeah, pretty cool that they've they've uh, Fanatex is, is is partnering with Sparco, the big name 
um, Fanatec probably has a lot of resources in the sim sim industry, and uh, uh, it's a decent partnership for them to uh, to make. Um, the wheels look pretty nice. You know, I was thinking this is uh, monkey see, monkey do. Didn't uh, Ace Attack just do this where they offered a bunch of wheel rims that interchange with their button boxes and whatnot? Um, and now Fanatec's doing the same thing. Um, yeah, Will Ford points out not every button box fits on every rim. Um, you have to really kind of pick and choose uh, which ones. Uh, you know, sometimes he lays the rim onto the button box and it actually covers up some of the buttons. So they're not all interchangeable with this Fanatec stuff. So that's the big gotcha. The other thing is these are kind of replicas. These are not true Sparco wheels like you would buy from Sparco. They're, they're made to um, imitate the real wheel. Um, and, and part of the reason is, is they're about $150 cheaper than buying a proper Sparco. And so you're going to get some affordability uh, by buying these uh, replicas through Fanatec. But I think, is this a new trend? I guess we should talk about with you, you buy a button box, you buy a few rims to go with it. I mean, we had Asetech come out with the concept and now Fanatec's doing the same thing. I like the, uh, the approach that Asetech took with it. I think uh, from an e uh, ease of swapping, I think it's, it's probably where I think they're, they're going to win. Absolutely. I think it was just three screws, 60 seconds or something. Yeah, with this Fanatec stuff, there's, there's no easy swap at all. Uh, you're taking out multiple screws, um, etc. So um, I wouldn't think you would. I don't think the Fanatec, the way they have them set up, is, is uh, con conductive to swap at all. I mean, you probably buy a rim and a button box and stick with it. All right. And then there's another wheel announced. Very similar, uh, but this time Cube Controls. They unveil their new GT Pro V2 suede and perforated GT steering wheels. And uh, this is a D-shaped oval kind of wheel with a button box with paddles. Uh, very much like what we've just been talking about, but this time Cube Controls, one of my favorites from Italy. Uh, pricing 898 euros. Uh, for the suede, uh, the perforated 885 euros. This is the V2 version. They've had a V1 out, but this is the V2. I don't know the differences. You can uh, order uh, with two or four paddles, too. Tons and tons of options from all different uh, manufacturers. So to say you can't find something that you, that you like, uh, you just haven't looked hard enough. I think the beauty of the cube control is that, again, the magnetic connector for the cable, for your coil cable, that is the key differentiator between them and all other uh, manufacturers. You buy a Gomez wheel or a, all these other ones, you, you're, you're screwing on a connector on the permanently screwing on a connector for the cable. And uh, I just like the magnetic thing where it just rips off and snaps right on. It's just quick and easy. Well, that's, I mean, I've got Sim Magic. The one thing I like about that is it's wireless. So no cables at all. Yeah. And Asetech's uh, wheels are wireless as well with their neat QR system. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's even better. <laughs>
All right, let's jump to results. Uh, we didn't have the winter NIS, I mean, excuse me, the winter league because of uh, Thanksgiving this week. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll just open it up to everybody. What'd you guys run? Yeah, um, I've been running the winter series. I didn't really put each race down because I really don't have much. I haven't had really amazing finishes from 15th to 5th, but I've been running in a higher split, top split. And I was surprised. I wrote it down. I was surprised I was going through the points because um, Mike, your battle with Tom kind of got me fired up, started teaching me about how the points worked. I never really cared about them. I'm starting to understand them. And I checked and I'm actually leading division two in points for fixed and I'm fourth in the open now. And like, it was a total surprise to me. And I, I think it's cause I've been running the higher splits and it's been helping me, I think. No, that's good. That's good. Uh, I ran the, the winter derby Wednesday night, um, started eighth and was running eighth. We were about 50 laps in just starting to catch lap traffic. And, uh, you know, I'm passing a lap car low and sixth place car turns a lapper in front of him. Lap car comes down, hits the inside wall, comes back out. I'm already low because I'm in the middle of making a pass. Uh, I just can't avoid. So um, just very frustrated. You know, I, I just seem to get caught up in so much stuff that's not of my making. Um, I don't know if I just need to kind of reset. I don't know if I'm running too hard, just trying too hard or what. Just uh, super, super frustrating. Yeah, rig is in boxes and I'll be uh, building it at this time next week uh, because I'll be moving a week from today. All right, let's jump to final thoughts. David Hall. Uh, Brad, I get exactly what you mean with being frustrated with all, just all the bad luck. I had the worst NIS season and just, just a year I could have had and pretty much have been on a self. I've, I've just taken a break from iRacing other than running the Winter League. Um, and I don't, I'm excited about the Craig setup shop, not Craig setup shop, Mike Connie setup uh, that the guys are going to be trying out the deal with. I hope I can get involved with that, but I've dropped an I rating enough that I'm going to be, be division two and I'm just going to sit there till NIS starts. So um, I am going to get back next week and start running some, some IMSA races to get ready for Daytona. I felt like I've taken, I just needed to take the break and just, allow myself to start missing it a little bit and so that's where i am uh i went ahead and renewed today the, the subscription had actually expired this week and i went ahead and used the black friday sale and renewed today so y'all got me for at least a year all right brian mccubbin final thoughts yeah so i mentioned a little bit about it earlier the um so i've taken this all season and time that i need to, to do my next computer build to just completely dismantle my uh, rig pretty much not i mean all the wiring pull all the wiring and just wanted to reroute everything make some additions to make things work a little easier and get the cable management even better um so you know that's it's all in the process of just Re regrouping and rebuilding and getting ready for the next year. So the long process, uh, I'm taking my time and trying to get everything just right. I know there's, there's not a big rush based on, you know, I have, I have some time before I'll be ready to get back in, but yeah, so that was it. And, um, you know, I shop did some shopping today for black Friday to try to get some deals on some Peter stuff and started purchasing some stuff for my new build. So I'll keep you posted on how that goes. 
Ooh, exciting. All right, Brad Wren, final thoughts. You got some Black Friday stuff too, huh? Uh, yeah, picked up a set of gloves um, and then rolled into the RFK uh, store and grabbed some stuff from Brad Keselowski because it was just too stupid cheap. Um, but I'm uh, going to run the Winter Derby tonight, uh, and then I'll be out of pocket for a week, so travel. Uh, going to Hawaii next week. Going to miss the uh, winter race, unfortunately. But uh, look forward to getting back and uh, getting back on the track with you guys. All right. Very good. Justin Pearson, final thoughts? I'm not too much. Um, I'm kind of I'm wondering about this Drive Smart to Daytona, see if I got a good enough lap time. Maybe you'll be seeing the iRacer Lounge paint scheme on those races. So, um, yeah, I, I hope that goes well. And I love that. I'm starting to love these 87 cars. Um, I think it's teaching me how to, I think my problem was I, I drove too soft in the beginning. I had too much car at the end. I didn't use them all up. And these 87s, you got to really beat on them to be fast. So uh, hopefully I can keep up P1 on that fix set. All right. Very good. John Curley, final thoughts? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's just get out there and race. This is a bad week. Lost a lot of buy rating. Hopefully I can get it back. All right. Uh, and then Greg Hector's final thoughts. Uh, just looking forward to uh, racing the uh, winter series next week, our winter league. Um, I think we're at, what, Dover? That'll be fun in the uh, fixed setup. Um, I think Mike, if once you come back the first week that you'll be back, I think is a road course, uh, for it. <laughs> you love those. Um, anyways, yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. I'm just actually renewing my uh, membership right now with the black Friday, uh, deal. So, uh, anybody that, uh, hasn't done it, you better do it soon. All right. Uh, my final thoughts, um, this is the longest period of time I've gone without racing on high racing since, I think. But, uh, you know, I'm going to have the equipment down for approximately a, a month before I get everything set up again. But uh, looking forward to it. Like David said, sometimes absence uh, makes the heart grow fonder. And uh, I think that's definitely happened with me. I'm sitting around at night kind of twiddling my thumbs, wondering what I should be doing. Uh, I should be racing. That's what I should be doing, but we'll get back to it soon. Uh, again, thanks to Mike Conti. Uh, what a professional, what a, uh, a stalwart in the sim community. Um, very proud to be associated with him and his outstanding team of Brandon Hastings and Nick Ottinger and Matt Busa. I mean, these guys are, are at the top of the game and uh and we're we're all real happy to be associated with them and talk about their product and what they're offering to the oval sim community if you guys want to do the road to pro i mean this is a no-brainer just sign up and with that hey we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the odd racers lounge podcast Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.